right, welcome back to the Ninth Man NBA Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Alec. And I'm Eric. We know you'll listen to others long before you do us, but we thank you for tuning in. We chose to call ourselves the Ninth Man NBA Podcast um, because we're like the guy that sits in the middle of the bench and he sees about, I don't know, maybe on average four or five minutes a game, average maybe a point or so. Um, there's definitely better better players than us, definitely better podcasts than us, but we're not, we're not the worst out there, I, I wouldn't say. Um, we, we watch, talk, and listen way too much NBA not to jump on here and do a podcast. Today we'll discuss the Pacers' big win over the Cavs, hit the face-off between Eric and I, ties between Bucks and, and DeAndre Jordan's agent, Kawhi's return, the Okafor trade, and a whole lot more. Thanks for tuning in. The first thing I'd like to talk about and discuss today is the Pacers' big win over the Cavs last night. We won 107-104. Victor Oladipo had 33 points on 11 of 24 shooting, 6 of 13 from the three-point line, and just overall an unbelievable win that we needed. We improved to 15 and 11. What did you guys think about that big win? I mean, that's a massive win, especially them on a 13-game uh, win streak. Obviously, they're hot. LeBron's playing out of his mind, doing what he always does, and come to Indiana, and we come out with that win. Yeah, I think that the, the unique thing about that game was um, – those games that we win that kind of give us get us over the hump, and we're going to talk about it later on in the podcast, but it's like we, I, we usually feel the Lance effect in those type games. Um, even Darren Collison didn't play much in the fourth. I'd like to talk about that just a little bit. That's back-to-back games where Darren Collison hasn't seen a, a lot of minutes in the fourth. Well, do you know why? It's because he's, he's banged up right now. He, he's but, looking, yeah, he's, it's probably looking very unlikely. Um, he plays our next game, unfortunately, but he's, uh, he's battling an injury, so that's why he's not seeing as many minutes. He's restricted right now, and they're thinking it's going to be uh, um, not, he's not going to play. He, he didn't seem very convinced that he's going to play next game. And Corey Joseph, in his absence, hasn't been bad. Oh, no, he has played it very, very well, especially on the defensive end. He's been exceptional. 12 points and four assists off the bench. I mean, Lance, what I was saying earlier was Lance didn't have a big impact in the fourth. In, in fact, he didn't play much in the fourth. Al, what do you think about um, our run in the fourth quarter? Well, I think just the game as a whole, you know, it's one of those games, obviously Vic did some incredible things down the stretch, but he was also 5 of 10 from the free throw line. Mm. And then you look at the very end, JR hits that three, his chest is squared up at the crowd, off balance, (laughs) an unreal pass, and it had all the makings of one of those games that traditionally the Pacers lose. Everything that could go wrong down the stretch, missing these free throws, JR Smith hitting ridiculous shots, here's another one they're going to blow. And they didn't. And I don't think necessarily that a win in December over Cleveland means a tremendous deal in the fact that, okay, they beat Cleveland, other than the fact that it's a building block because they finally won a game where the other team was coming back, making things happen, things weren't going the Pacers' way at the end, and they found a way to hang on and get the win. Yeah, a couple quotes from the post-game uh, coverage. Miles Turner said that was his actual his first win against the LeBron Cavs. Last year he beat the Cavs one time and LeBron didn't play at home. Raise your hand if you're surprised. LeBron okay. never plays at home. In fact, I was shocked that he was in uniform last night. Um, but did you did you hear what he said? He said Indiana is one of the toughest places to play, which yeah. was kind of surprising to me since um, it's not exactly super filled up. Um, but I mean, hearing the attendance, yeah. yeah, hearing LeBron say that, that that's pretty cool. It's pretty sad. Speaking of attendance, we had we had a little over thirteen thousand. <sighs> 
and very loud Cavs fans. There were a lot of Cavs fans in attendance too. It was yeah. not thirteen thousand people cheering for Indy to win last night. Well, excuse me, we had thirteen thousand against the the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday. Is what oh, I was going to say. Uh, we had nineteen, a little over nineteen, which that tells you how much. It, it, that's probably six thousand Cavs fans, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. Ty Lue after the game also said, um, in terms of Victor Oladipo being an All Star, he says. Without a doubt, he is definitely an all-star, which I think that's a pretty big nod from a guy like Ty, Ty Lue with his stature. He's played with a bunch of all-stars in the past, obviously with um, Shaq and uh, playing with Kobe with the Lakers, getting stepped over by AI, so he knows what you know the, this kind of view from AI. But, um, what do you guys think about Ty Lue coming on and saying that? I mean, um, I think that means a lot. You know, it definitely means a lot, and as much as I love it, I don't know if – um, that's going to happen. I think it's going to take a lot of consistency from Vic. Obviously, he's playing tremendous right now. And if he did keep it up, I firmly believe he will be a um, all-star. It's just a matter of if he can be this consistent. Any vote of confidence from a coach is a good sign. Coaches choosing the seven reserves. So if you get coaches coming out saying, you know, I think that guy deserves to be an all-star, that's got to be a good sign in, in the way of Vic potentially being one down the line. We got Al's take on if this win really means anything. Eric, what do you think about this win? Because post-game, of course, Victor Oladipo, yeah. his humble self, said yeah. this literally means nothing. We're 15-11. and 11. We've won some games, and we've lost a good amount of games. We just need to keep building. Yeah. You know what? I, I think this win is actually big because we're winning the games we're supposed to win. Um, we're beating the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Knicks. Exactly. We're, we're winning against the teams we should win against. Um, and then we're also losing to the teams we probably should lose against, like the yeah. Rockets, per Twice. se. Exactly, yeah. But coming out and beating the 13-game streak of the Cavaliers um, for the second time this season, by the way, that's a pretty pretty significant win right there. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. The Cavs in franchise history have, have, have won 13 straight three times, and they've never won 14. 13 is tied for their longest streak, and, of yeah. course, they couldn't get it done against the Cavs last night. Um, speaking of some big wins that – we're beating the teams we should, and we're losing to the teams we should. We, we lost to OKC early on the season. I know that was our seventh game. Um, this Wednesday, um, uh, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Paul George and coming back. Carmel Anthony will be in Banker's Life on this six-game homestand. Um, what do you guys think about Paul coming back and Vic kind of filling his spot in the Pacers uniform now? What do you guys think about that matchup on Wednesday? You know, I... I this kind of just reminds me of the Victor always doing the this is my city thing, yes. which kind of brings me back to the Paul George um, kind of saying that along the lines. And you know what? I, I think Paul George, that's going to get under his skin. Um, and I just, I'm waiting to see that rivalry, which I think it's going to become a rivalry. I kind of touched on it last week. I think that we're going to see Paul George come out and be um, unselfish. He's, he's not going to want to force, he's going to try and, and do things at, at his rate. and. You know, that's kind of the way that Oklahoma City has played this year. He really hasn't gotten the ball all that often. And I think especially in an environment that it's probably going to be hostile for him, right or wrong, I think, you know, people should appreciate what he did. But there are going to be a lot of people that boo him out of the building. And I think that he's going to, in response, be very passive. Yeah. Um, continuing the theme of the last couple podcasts, what's wrong with OKC Thunder? I mean, like, we talked, Eric kind of provided some thought about they need to start being selfish, not unselfish. Have Russ taking it, Paul George attacking at all costs. They kind of tried that, and yeah. it didn't work. That's what they've been doing the past couple games. And Russell Westbrook went 10 of 27, uh, I think, last night. So, that's I mean, why Eric's not an NBA coach and he hosts a podcast. Yeah, 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 that's right. We'll talk about it, but we're not, we're not getting, giving <laughs> yeah, it. I'll advice. give a few ideas, but, yeah, it's – 
surprisingly, I, it didn't work out. Carmelo's been ice cold. Well, I, that's what I, I don't think it's too surprising. I think the big issue is, as many of you have seen probably by now, I'm a big believer in Paul George. Anytime you have a big three, there's somebody that's going to be the Chris Bosh of the group that sacrifices the shots. Yeah. In this case, it has to be Carmelo Anthony. He's the oldest in the group. I love Carmelo as well. I'm the Same biggest Carmelo advocate range. that I know. But he's past his prime. He needs to be the one that's sacrificing shots. Let the other two work. Russ is an unbelievable mismatch, but Russ has to be able to move the basketball. Paul George should not just be standing in the corner as a spot-up three threat while Carmelo Anthony is taking 18 shots a game, working out of the mid-post and taking a shot with four seconds on the shot clock. They have to move the basketball, and they have to get the ball to Paul George more. If they do that, they'll start winning games. Are you jumping on my bandwagon that says that he needs to go to the bench? I don't think there's any chance of him going to the bench. Yeah. They just have to move the basketball more with him. In the game because he doesn't need to go to the bench. He can be a huge – Carmelo Anthony is your third most dangerous threat. That's incredible. Yes. He just has to be more unselfish. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I think they should just change the minutes. Maybe like take out Carmelo. Kind of like stagger the minutes. Pull him early exactly. and then let him run the second unit. Yes, that's what I think they should do. With, with, but I don't know. I think they should have Russ and – Russ or Paul George on the court at all times, oh, kind of like the boogie um, AD, with AD yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm gonna say this. We said this on the podcast just a couple weeks ago. Paul George needs to get more shots. Paul George needs to get more clean looks at the bucket. Maybe a pick and roll with Stephen Adams. Like what? It sounds kind of like you're missing Paul George. Am I missing? Something? <laughs> I'm, something wrong? I'm absolutely not missing oh, okay. Paul George okay. with the way that Victor Oladipo has been playing. Yeah. Trust me. This right here tells you all about me not missing <laughs> Paul George. Trade happened this past week in the NBA between the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers. Uh, this is the trade. Jahil Okafor and Nick Stauskas in a 2019 second-round pick for Trevor Booker from, from the, the power forward from the 76ers. What do you guys think about the trade? I think it's a good get for Philadelphia. Booker is a solid veteran. He'll be a good presence in the locker room. You know, He's not going to put them over the top to beat Cleveland, but he's – He's a good piece, and again, Jaleel Okafor, a very talented player, was a top three draft pick, and it'll be a good change of scenery for him, similar to happened with D'Lo, leaving L.A. to go there, Brooklyn, kind of this place where players can go and resurrect their careers, just get a fresh start. So I like the move for both teams. It's one of those trades where not everyone has a winner or a loser. I think both teams won in this deal. Yeah, kind of going off of that, it's definitely not a blockbuster trade by any means, but I think both teams are winners in this, like I was saying. Um, for uh, the 76ers, clearly you get that depth with Trevor Booker, and you get Okafor, who wasn't even seeing minutes um, off the team. And for uh, Brooklyn, you get Okafor, who's um, very young and I think has very, very high ceiling personally. Um, and I just think that's going to be a good trade for him. Yeah, good for Jill Okafor, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. like the, About time. Yeah, he got screwed over in Philly, I feel like. He, he, he never got the opportunity to just throw him in the lineup. Be like, you, you, you say you're a starter, maybe alongside of Embiid. The only time he really got big minutes and started, everybody else was dead or out with an ACL tear. And so I, I'm really glad for Jill Okafor. I think um, him and D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, in uh, Brooklyn, I mean, maybe in the pick and roll, maybe we'll see some double-doubles. Because he was having some double-doubles um, when he was playing big minutes last year at the very beginning of the season. And then that whole debacle with... Um, the GM and the coach, and so um, I'm really glad you for got the chance to finally play some big minutes. Um, but for Trevor Booker, Trevor Booker's not going to start in that lineup, is he? No. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. Dar- Dario Saric is going to be the starter, in my opinion. Still. Okay. Maybe he'll get some big minutes when when Embiid sits, and and Embiid's really not sat as much, which is kind of a good thing. He's been dominating the NBA, um, and so 
Yeah, what did Trevor Booker say about the trade? Yeah, so a 76ers reporter actually asked him, like, what are you really going to bring to the table? And he said he's like, an, he's a passionate player um, with high energy, and he actually said, um, I'm going to be that guy who's going to be aggressive, provide energy, and be a pest on defense. And he said, I'm, I'm pretty much a bigger T.J. McConnell, which um, everyone in Philly loves T.J. McConnell, who's White Iverson, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, no that's awesome. Um, next, in, in trade talks, we talked about DeAndre Jordan last week, um, but there's some more news coming with the DeAndre Jordan. Things are kind of picking up there with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Clippers. Um, so, kind of backstory here. DeAndre Jordan signed with agent Jeff Swartz. Now, nobody cares about that unless these um, implications come with it. Jeff Swartz um, represents Jason Kidd, Mirza Toledovic, Rashad Vaughn, and Eric Bledsoe. Those four players, obviously, on the Milwaukee, Buc- Milwaukee Bucks roster. Jason Kidd probably being um, the biggest <laughs> name in that. Uh, maybe Jason Kidd can kind of talk to Swartz because, obviously, you can communicate with your agent. Um, DeAndre Jordan's a free agent this coming summer. So maybe you talk, hey, if I trade for DeAndre Jordan, is there any give back saying, I'll send these guys and we can keep them. Um, maybe DeAndre Jordan will sign over the summer. I mean, there's some negotiations there. Um, the Bucks have, have obviously been trying to acquire DeAndre Jordan for about a week or two. And the Clippers said that they would accept this exact trade. Let's see here. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, point guard from Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Middleton, a shooting guard. And a high second-round pick. What do you guys think about this DeAndre Jordan-Milwaukee um, Bucks swap? You know, I personally w- I would not do that if I'm on the Bucks. I think that, um, one, I, I guess uh, I, would, I don't want to do the uh, Lakers-PG route of trading away players if you think you're going to get them, which I think we will potentially see. The Lakers will be getting Paul George in the offseason. I think that could be the route for DeAndre, um, Jordan. DeAndre Jordan and the Bucks. So you, you wouldn't have to get rid of those young players with Malcolm Brogdon, who was a runner-up for Rookie of the Year last year. Yep. So he obviously has some high potential. No, no, he was the Rookie of the Year. He last was season. the Rookie of the Year. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so clearly high potential um, already producing in the NBA. So I would, I would try to kind of veer away from making a trade and hoping to get him in the – in the uh, or in the free agency because I don't think they can make a run in the playoffs even with DeAndre Jordan this year. Now I know nothing excites Alec Brown about the old <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, but what do you think about DeAndre Jordan this trade? Yeah, if I'm the Clippers, I'm definitely accepting that trade. Get that sorry bum. No, I mean he's he's a good defensive player and he can rebound, but if I'm the Bucks, uh, there's no way I'm giving up Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, and a pick to get DeAndre Jordan. I mean, do you, do you accept that? I'm considering. And this Accept is, it, yes. Propose it, no way. I'm considering, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm considering making that trade. Just hear me out. What if we, I mean, the Eric Bledsoe, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and... and Do you call that a big three? You're crazy. Yeah. I, that's a big three with Deontay Jordan. No, that's absolutely, he's averaging 10 points and 14 boards, and he's hardly trying for the Clippers in my opinion. You're saying Eric Bledsoe's and D'Angelo Russell and Julia Lopeford and Ron Ellis yeah. Jefferson are big three. Ellis is having a great year. So I think with three players, we got big threes. Yeah. Hear me out. Maybe they, can, maybe they can swindle, kind of negotiate. What if you drop Malcolm Brogdon off and you send Chris Middleton in a first-round pick, let's say, to the Clippers? Are you accepting that trade for DeAndre Jordan? Chris Middleton is a great 3 and D in today's well, Yep. Yeah. When healthy, Chris Middleton. It's the same thing, like, team. How KD has kind of become almost a rim protector of sorts for the Warriors, that can be Giannis. You don't want to give up Chris Middleton to get 
DeAndre Jordan. Like Chris Middleton is a huge piece for them. Yeah, and which, I know, which which the Bucks do need a center pretty badly. I know they're starting Thon Maker um, at, at center earlier in the year, and, and I now know it's they, John Henson. Yeah, they they veer toward John Henson, who's a little bit better, but still still very young and obviously not not uh, doesn't have the uh, production that DeAndre Jordan would have. Yeah. Now next, let's enter into the best segment of our podcast, and that's the face-off. The face-off between Luke and Eric. All right, for today's face-off, there's only three of us, so I'll be the judge, jury, and executioner. I'm asking the <laughs> questions and deciding who wins. First question, who is the most valuable role player in the NBA? Could be a super sixth man, could be a center that's a good rim protector, gets some back taps, and does a lot of the dirty work. Yeah, I'm going the route of the center, um, kind of the centerpiece for... Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that's going to be Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that we talked about this last pod, Al kind of talked about how Steven Adams has a chance of being, you know, a, a, a big three if you lose maybe Paul George to the Lakers next year. Steven Adams could sit, sit in that role, maybe call it a big four that they have right now. Um, you should get him for a big three. Yeah, Adams. there you go. With the, with, with the rebounding and with the, the defensive presence, that's a great asset to a team that has a lot of scoring. Doesn't need any. Doesn't need him to score. It has a lot of um, passers and Russell Westbrook and things like that. Um, Roberson and um, Stephen Adams are the two pieces in that starting lineup that really d up on that team. And so I have to go with Stephen Adams. You know, I'm gonna have to go with fellow Pacers fan. I'm gonna have to go with um, Thaddeus Young. And I think Thaddeus Young is the definition of a role player. Like I said last podcast. Uh, the Pacers only have two plays for him. So clearly not going to be your best player. But he knows his role. He is the definition of a glue guy. He gets so many offensive rebounds, keeps the plays alive, plays tough defense on the hard matchups. He's going to give you 100% every night. All right, I like that. Second question, is it a foregone conclusion that come the second week of June we will see the Golden State Warriors hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy, or is there a team in the NBA that can beat Golden State in the finals or maybe even in the West? It is not a foregone conclusion, and, and this is why. I think before um, you guys get crazy, I think James Harden and, Oak, and, and, um, and Russell Westbrook have things to say about that. And the road, I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, the road to the finals for the, for the Warriors is so much harder than it is for the Cavs. It's not a walk in the park until you get to the finals anymore. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for the Cavaliers either. I really don't. Um, not only that, we've seen them starting to deal with kind of uh, maybe a championship hangover and identity crisis and is KD this mega tough guy along with David West and things like that. Also, we've seen them get banged up for the first time in their run. Steph Curry got a bad ankle injury. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it's two, three weeks and we'll re- reevaluate. He's had some ankle issues for his entire basketball career. I don't see this just being a two, three week. And then I think once they come out with the report, they're going to say, well, we're just going to hold him out. Was it just a little bit longer and let, let him get rested and things like that? I think it's a serious injury in my opinion. You know what? I'm going to have to go with I, – I think they're going to be the favorite again, and I think they're going to win it. Unfortunately, I, I hate seeing the Cavaliers-Warriors. Um, I love it for how competitive it is, but I also want to see a new team in there. Um, but it, it shows with Steph Curry out and Draymond Green, they can still win. Kevin Durant going for a triple-double. I think he's the second-best player in the NBA behind LeBron James. They are incredibly deep, potentially have the best uh, second unit in the NBA – um, following the studs in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. The, the, the team is just way too deep, way too talented 
to get beat by one or two stars. Let's move ahead to the second question of the face-off. Is it a foregone conclusion that in the second week of June we will see the Golden State Warriors hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy, or is there a team that can stop them? No, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, and this is why. Their names are James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And you say we just got done talking about the Russell Westbrook um, and the issues in OKC. The, the beautiful thing about the NBA is it's really not two teams. And I know there's been an argument like this is boring, that we know two teams are going to the finals. It's not. That's not the case. The Rockets are really coming on with the addition of Chris Paul. The road to the finals for the Golden State Warriors is going to be much tougher than it is for LeBron and the Cavs to get there. So with, 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 we've seen kind of like an identity crisis with KD trying to be a bad boy and getting tossed out three of the last 18 games. Um, we've seen some issues with injuries for the first time in their run as a, as a powerhouse. And so this, this Steph Curry ankle tweak, guys, he's had issues with his ankles his entire career. This, they say they're going to reevaluate in two to three weeks. My guess is, and I'm assuming with, with his ankle, they're not just going to be precautionary or things like that. I think this is a serious injury that might bleed in to the later parts of the season. Eric? You know, I'm going to have to disagree with you, um, although I'm getting tired of seeing the Cavs versus Warriors every year in June, although it is crazy competitive and I do love watching it. I would like to see a new team, but sadly, I, I think it's going to be Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and all that star power holding that trophy up again. I, Four one conclusion, they win it all. Yes, they're going to win it all again this year. Um, they debatably have the best bench, um, and, and that's coming from Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry being your starters. Um, obviously, you have Zaza Pachulia or Joe McGee. Yeah, huge piece right there. But no, the, the star power is just remarkable there. Um, Kevin Durant going for a triple-double even when um, Draymond Green and Steph Curry are out. So clearly they can win without those guys. I think they're I think they're going to be the front runner and they're going to win it all again, sadly. All right, and the final question of this face-off. Some news came out earlier this week that LeBron just bought a second home in L.A. Um, that's made like $23 million, and a lot of people said, okay, he's, he's going to L.A. So let's say that LeBron does, in fact, leave Cleveland in this offseason. Where does he go and why? He's, he's going to Los Angeles Lakers. There's zeroed out in my mind he'd go anywhere else. Um, I, although he does love the East because it's honestly a pretty easy ride, I think he's going to um, go to the West. I think he's going to go to the West Coast as well um, for the Lakers. I think they're a young team. Um, although they wouldn't have the um, second man as in like Kyrie Irving or anybody like that that could take – um, the weight off his shoulders exactly, but you got Brandon Ingram on the rise. Got an awesome point guard in Lonzo Ball, and I think um, LeBron loves that style of play and loves um, just Lonzo. So I think that LeBron would choose the Lakers. I'm thinking he's choosing the Lakers. Okay, I, I agree with Eric on that point, but the point that he chooses the Lakers. Now I I actually think that he might end up. Yeah, well, no, I think he's going Lakers. I, really <laughs> um, I think he's going to wear a Lakers jersey next year, but it's not going to work out. It is That team is nowhere close to being ready for a player of the stature of LeBron James. You, can, you can't just throw him in and hope the pieces around him. Yeah, they're going to get better. It's LeBron James. He's the best player at making other players that aren't so good make them play at, at an okay or maybe raise to, from good to great. Um that's not going to work out. I know I didn't answer your question completely, and I apologize for that because we kind of had the same answer. Um, that Lakers team will not work out if that's the case.
does Paul George go there? That, that could be a question, too. Do you want to ask some questions? <laughs> That's true, no. But if PG goes there and LeBron, it would work out. Paul George and LeBron James with those other pieces does not work out in the West. Golden State Warriors are still better, and it's really, in my opinion, not close. So See, then if it's not close, why would you say the clip or the not the Clippers, the Rockets with Chris Paul and James Harden are going to potentially beat the um, – the OKC Warriors, holy cow. Who's better role players, Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon or a year two Lonzo Ball or and Brooke Lopez. Lopez? And the Rockets have a top five bench right now. That team is, is, is with D'Antoni, they're running a very unique offense. He wants to shoot, they want, they want, D'Antoni wants them to shoot 53s. The Cavs nor the Lakers are going to be doing that. That's why it's a unique style. They don't have that three, uh, those three stars in OKC. It's, it, it doesn't work out like that in my opinion. All right, I will say I was kind of hoping one of you would, would take a leap of faith there and, you know, I've heard some rumors of LeBron, maybe Philly, or maybe even some crazy ones of Houston. I, thought I don't know how that would work, but I was kind of hoping one of you might say one of those two teams. But L.A. definitely, if he does leave Cleveland, has to be the favorite, so I can understand that. But for this week's face-off, going to have to go with Luke as this week's winner. Uh, I was hoping on the first question one of you might even say Eric Gordon. But I think the difference is Thad Young is a great role player, but in terms of most valuable He's never really been on a team that's mattered. Steven Adams has been a huge role player on a team that had Golden State down 3-1 and foregone conclusion that Golden State wins it all. I like what Luke said, especially about Steph's ankle and the issues he's had. This is the first time we've seen Golden State battle health. And some of it, with Steph obviously more serious than others, where it's just, okay, we're going to give him a night off. We don't care about winning 73 games anymore. But I think we're starting to see that Golden State's not bulletproof. So I think Luke Wait takes the face off. That's why they're... That's why they're sitting out and all that. I know Steph's injury is not sitting out. You but. should have made that point during the face-off. Well, <laughs> too late to make your argument. Luke wins this week's face-off. Yes. Congratulations. Okay, it's time for us to move into the next segment of today's podcast. We're going to do buy or sell again. We unveiled that last week, but with a little different twist. Last week, we all decided on a specific team or player that we were going to buy, sell, or hold on. This week, we're going to have specific topics presented to us, and then all three of us will either buy or sell. So, Eric, first up, are you buying or selling the New York Knicks currently sitting at 12-12 and 12 as a 500 team? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to sell them. Uh, I, I do like what they're doing in New York, getting rid of Carmelo, although I love Carmelo. But um, poor Zinkas being the face of the, um, the city, I, I like that. But with, with Hardaway Jr. out and um, some back spasms with Cantor and even poor Zingas, um, the injury bug's starting to hit them, and they're, they're just not that deep of a team by any means. So I think they're going to just lose a couple games in a row, and then it's just going to go downhill from there. I'm buying on the on the Knicks. I, huh. I, I think Chris Stapps by himself is a better fit than Chris Stapps alongside Melo because they can really accent the way he plays. It's all about Chris Stapps' Porzingis, and if that's the case, he's going to go off for crazy numbers that he has. Um, and so... Chris Stapps, I believe, is averaging 25.4 points, 6.7 rebounds, and an assist a game. That can That is a guy I can put my back on and, and carry a team right there. So um, I'll stick with 500. I'm a little nervous about the very last three weeks of the season when that playoff push is coming. Do they stay at 500 if not? But I, I'm buying right now. I'm also yeah. going to have to buy the New York Knicks as a 500 team. They're sitting 12-12 and 12 right now and at the 9 seed. And the reason being, looking at the Eastern Conference standings, there's not any team uh, ahead of them that they're better than. Even, you know, Washington sitting in the 8 seed, they'll get John Wall back healthy. They're clearly better. 
but I also don't think the teams below them are better. They don't have a tough strength of schedule, so they'll pick up those wins against the Bulls, the Hawks, the Hornets, enough wins to float around 500. You know, I'm not saying they're going to finish exactly 41 and 41. Right. Maybe they're 40 and 42 or, or 39 and 43, or maybe they even sneak in a couple games above 500, but they're going to be right there at that 500 threshold. So I'm buying the Knicks sitting at 500 the rest of the way. Oh, Chris right. Porzingis is fantastic. Cantor can score. They're not a good team. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. The East is not good, though. And a couple of the teams uh, in the East have overachieved, like the Pacers even, but just the East isn't good. So the Knicks are going to stay right around 500 all year long. Yeah. yeah. Next, buy or sell. Last night, Cleveland uh, against Cleveland, Victor Oladipo played fantastic. And there's been a lot of discussion amongst Pacer fans. Is he better than Paul George? Is Paul George better than him? Is it just a fit? So with that being said, buy or sell, Victor Oladipo is a top 15 player in the NBA. I, I'm selling. I'm selling on this take. Top 15 is a stretch. Um, we talked, we debated all summer, Alec and I did, post, post the Paul George trade, is Paul George a top 15 player? And I'm not saying that Paul George is a top 15 player. If I don't think Paul George is a top 15 player, I have a hard time saying Victor right now is a top 15 player. I mean, heck, we've played 24 games. Yeah. So we'd probably pause the break, or hit the brakes just a tad. I'm, I mean, I'm the guy that gets way ahead of myself. So. <laughs> Um, let's just pump the brakes just a tad on Depot. He's amazing right now. He's averaging 23.6 points per game, 3.9 assists, and 5.3 rebounds a game. He's killing it, and I think he should be an all-star. Top 15, that might be in question. I'm going to have to sell as well, unfortunately. There's just Top 15, that's just unrealistic. I mean, you have to be... Um, realistic with this and I, I think top 20 top 25 would be a, a bit of a better debate mm. but top 15 that's gonna be pretty tough but I do love what he's doing right now you know if you look at Victor Oladipo's whole career and how long he's been in the league in these five seasons no way you could over those I'm gonna be a devil's advocate here just based off of this season and I'm gonna go ahead and buy it because wow, this wow. season alone through uh, the 26 games that the Pacers have played 15 and 11, which is beyond all expectations. Absolutely. I was the one at the start of the year saying there's no way Debo keeps us up. There's yep. no way he keeps us up. There's no way he keeps us up. He went to IU. I hate IU. So I was not high on Victor Oladipo coming in. And through the 24 games, he's played like a top 15 player in the NBA. So I'm going to go ahead and buy it. I like that. I like that you did, I like that you did that. I, you know. I'm just a bigger pace fan than you guys, basically. Down to. All right, next one. Sitting 13 and 13, they've battled injury. They've lost some key pieces, but they have a great coach and are kind of starting to get a little healthy. Are the Utah Jazz a playoff team in the West? Buy or sell? I'm selling. Um, they just got Gobert back, and so that, that does say a little bit about their 13 and 13 record. I think it would be better if Gobert didn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, there is just... That those middling teams in the Western Conference, it's jam packed. And I don't think the I don't think the Jazz, although the the up and coming Donovan Mitchell and um, I mean they've probably got obviously got Rubio and Gobert kind of ac um, accenting one another in pick and roll. Um, but I'm gonna sell because it's just they're not one. They're gonna be competing for the eighth, seventh, sixth if you want to say sixth. They're gonna be eight, nine, ten role. So yeah. I, I they they sneak. Um, right out of the playoffs, 9-10. I'm, I'm going to say they sneak right into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, uh, I know they're sitting currently right now in, in the seventh seed. Yep. No, it's early, but seventh seed. Um, but the only other team that's um, outside of the playoffs that really is going to take their spot yeah. is OKC. Yeah. So I think they're going to get the eighth seed. I don't think oh. they're going to surpass the eighth seed by any means. But I think they're going to sneak in. 
Um, unfortunately, I don't like their play style because they're slow, kind of not boring. Exactly, they're not what the NBA really is kind of gearing towards. Um, but I do love Donovan Mitchell, like I said in pos- podcast last time. Um, Rudy Gobert, potentially defense player of the year. Um, they have a lot of potential, but I th- just stick with the eight. Just, just a second. Did you say that OKC might not sneak into the yeah. playoffs? No, 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 no. OKC is going to get in for sure. I think they're going to take that. Well, I'll go ahead and address that here and what's happening. Because right now, the Jazz are 7th, 13-13, and 13, tied with the Pelicans at 13-13, and 13, and the Thunder are 11-13 and 13 at 9. Now, there's no team in the West other than those three teams that are going to be at that spot. Because the Clippers are 9-15. and 15, don't have Blake, don't have Like, they're done. It's the teams one through nine right now are who's going to be in the playoffs. But even if they never get it figured out, and it looks like the Lakers did with Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and Kobe, at worst, OKC is going to be an eight seed. There's no way they miss the playoffs. And Boogie and AD are better than what Utah has to offer. The Pelicans will be ahead of the Jazz. So I see the Jazz being the nine seed. I'm going to sell, even if that means that the Pelicans are the seven and OKC is the eight, which I think OKC will work their way up. Uh, maybe get past the Nuggets at some point. But there's no way OKC misses the playoffs. The Jazz are the team left off the list in the West. They're going to be the nine seed and miss by a couple games. Our next topic, a player that some people have claimed is a candidate for most approved player. He's been a very big piece. He's been improved. He's no longer just a dunker. Are you buying Aaron Gordon as a shooter? He's shooting 49% from the floor and 41% from three and 77% from the free throw line. Came out of Arizona, out of school. Everybody knew he could fly, but he definitely never had a three-point shot in his bag. Are you buying Aaron Gordon now as a shooter and a more evolved basketball player? You know, I'm gonna have to buy on this. I was a skeptic at first, by all means. But um, when I saw his uh, usage rate and how he, um, his field goal percentage when he's playing one-on-one basketball, it is exceptionally high. And I was very impressed by that. Um, Obviously the production's um, being consistent right now, so I'm going to have to buy. I'm buying Aaron Gordon as well. I think we've seen this trend um, in the last you know, 20, 25, maybe forever in the NBA. These college stars that are really their stars because they're just athletes and they're just better athletes than other players. When they step in, we saw this with LeBron James, when they step in to the limelight um, on an NBA court, their shot kind of disappears for a couple years and they really need to work on form. We're obviously seeing this with Markel Fultz right now where he has a broken shot. Uh, I'm buying Aaron Gordon because I believe his shot's only going to get better and the opportunities that come when they maybe add pieces to that team in Orlando, I'm buying on his him being a shooter. Yeah, I'm going to buy Aaron Gordon as well and bank a little bit off of what you said there at the end because he's really putting up these numbers without anybody really helping. Not much like help. Alfred, Evan Fournier. Alfred Payton is a solid player, but Alfred Payton doesn't have a shot. Evan Fournier is an okay piece, but he's not striking fear into defenses exactly. in the no boys way. having to play yeah. in Orlando. So the fact that Aaron Gordon is doing this as a number one option, basically, in today's NBA, makes me believe that as he continues to get older and maybe as more players either come to Orlando through trades or whatever, or as he ends up somewhere else, that he's going to be able to sustain this as he continues to get uh, more open looks, especially considering he finishes 78% around the rim. Uh, so I'm, I'm buying his improvement as a shooter yeah. as well. And finally here, uh, are we buying or selling as Pacer fans that the Lance effect is a real thing? We saw him leave Indy, go play in Charlotte and in LA and struggle and in Memphis. And then he comes back here and it's just something about he's home. He's talked about it. Is the Lance effect a real thing both for him and for the Pacers? He's averaging eight points, about five boards and three assists a game in the 20 minutes he's played. 
got off to a bad start, but he's starting to turn the corner. Is this a real thing? Not really an option here, but I'm holding. And this, let me tell you why. Let me tell him why, why I'm holding. Because you cheat and everything. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's why. Let me ask you a clear, clarifying question here. Are we are we talking about the Lance effect at home? How when he's home, like not just Indiana, but when he's in Indy playing, yeah. there's it changes things. Or on a team. See, I like that you're holding because I think we have to talk about everything. We can't just break it down. Is the Lance effect real at home, or is it real on Wednesdays, or real when he's wearing Jordans? Is right. the Lance effect a real thing? So if you're gonna hold, go ahead and hold. Yeah, I'm gonna hold it because we see the Lance effect in burst, and then the Lance effect is just completely dismissed for maybe a, a, a two-game stretch, things like that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to buy it, and why I say that is. Clearly, it did not work out in all those other all those other teams that he played, and um, a new system. It kind of scared me. I didn't know if he was going to fit when he got back, but clearly turned the corner a little bit. Um, and he's on the rise for sure, and, and just so much freedom in, the, in Indiana just gives him um, just all the confidence in the world. So I think I, I'm going to have to buy that. I'm going to buy the Lance effect as well, just because. Which you see with Lance Stevenson, kind of whatever team he's on goes as he goes. And yeah. if he has a good game, typically the Pacers are going to win. And if he struggles because of the way he plays, he's not going to struggle and only take two shots. He's he's going to do things that are crazy. Yeah. His team oftentimes is going to lose. And you saw the way he affected some teams uh, as a bad fit in, in Charlotte. And I think the Lance effect is a very real thing. And because of the fact that you said, like, oh, at home, they're better. Well, on the road, it's the same player playing the same minutes affecting the team negatively. So I'm going to buy that the Lance effect is a real thing. And that will conclude our buy or sell for this week's podcast. Speaking right. of Aaron Gordon, I'd love to talk about one of the, the awards that come at the end of the year, and that's the most improved player. Um, I would like to discuss four players, and we'll kind of give their, give you their, their overall stats from the 16-17, which is last season, and then the 17-18, which is this season. Um, Aaron Gordon, obviously, Andre Drummond, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and ours, ours truly, Victor Oladipo. He is ours only as well. You can't have him anybody else. He's <laughs> Indiana's. So, let's run through them very quickly, and then we'll discuss the what you guys think, who is the most improved right now. Aaron Gordon in uh, last season averaged 12 points per game, two assists, and five rebounds. He's improved to 18.5 points a game, eight boards a game, and 2.2 assists per game. Andre Drummond last season was 13.6 points per game, 13.8 boards and one assist. This season he's averaging 14.4 points, 15 rebounds and four assists. Kristaps Porzingis is averaging eight last season was 18 points, seven boards and one and a half assists. This year he is at 25 points a game, 6.7 boards a game and an assist. Oladipo last season, 16 points a game, 4.3 boards a game, and 2.6 assists. This season he's averaging 23.6 points per game, 5 rebounds a game, and 4 assists. What do you guys take? Who would you take right now as the most improved player? Take everything into account, not just stats, of course. Yeah. You see, with a couple of those, they're in different situations. Chris Porzingis doesn't have Melo taking a bunch of shots, so clearly he's going to score more because he's the man. You have Victor Oladipo going from um, Russell Westbrook's second-hand man, I guess you could say, um, to now being the man in, in Indiana. Um, but with that being said, I'd, I'd have to go with Victor Oladipo. Um, the Pacers are 15-11 and 11 right now, fourth in the East. Um, I, I, I just think um, his jump shot is very smooth, um, very efficient on the de- defensive end. I'd have to go with um, Victor Oladipo. 
I'm going to take Aaron Gordon right now because of the shooting percentage in which we talked, the free throw percentage in which we talked. But he's jumping up six points in, um, in, in points per game. And he's he's jumping a ton. He's jumping over almost four rebounds a game. So um, the way he's kind of taken on, we talk about most improved. Victor might ha- it might have improved, but he may have been the same player in OKC. We would just never known. Russell Westbrook was taking the ball out of his hands. This is the, literally not the situation. Aaron Gordon is in the most similar situation of these four players last season as he is this as he is this season and his point production's gone way up his field goal percentage's gone way up his three point percentage is out of the roof and compared to last season i'm going with Aaron Gordon i'm going to go with Andre Drummond on this one and the reason being like you said you see uh, Christoph Porzingis is in a different fit now he's the number one option Victor Oladipo is in a new fit Whereas Andre Drummond is back on pretty much the same Pistons team. True. He's only scoring one point per game more, but I think if you're going to look at improvement, historically, statistically, the worst free throw shooter in NBA history yeah. shot 39% from the free throw line last year and is shooting 61% this year. So I mean, that's obviously a huge improvement. He also never averaged more than 1.1 assists per game. That was his career high, and this year he's averaging four assists per game. Granted, yeah. his turnovers are up a little bit. They're They're... Using him more, he's getting more he's touches, he's but great. he's really improved in a lot of different ways in, in playmaking. And you can't just hack a Drummond anymore because even if he's not a great free throw shooter, he's not a total liability. Which means Van Gundy can play him late in games in the fourth quarter. Exactly. When in years past, he could not be on the floor if it was a close game late because teams would foul him. He'd miss both free throws. They'd go down and score. So I'm going to have to go with Andre Drummond as the most recruited player this year. Mm-hmm. Nothing like here on the Ninth Man NBA podcast. We discuss four players, and of course, each there's three of us that picked a different player. <laughs> um, we thank you for tuning in to the Ninth Man NBA podcast. Catch us next next week on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, we love doing this so much that we'll be back next week. See you.